Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis' The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby! Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Hi, I'm Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is The Best Life. <laughs> is this a new thing what's up y'all what's, up, what's besties? up besties what are you doing it's a uh, friday afternoon we're just oh. chilling and uh getting ready for the weekend what are you guys doing this weekend anything fun no i don't have any plans this weekend. i keep getting i think i'm a week ahead so i thought this weekend was the twin i don't know i think i'm like at the end of the month already and it's only the middle of the month so i know very, i was gonna say i still feel like it's august but okay i'm, I'm very confused right now <laughs> so i literally i know uh jeff is leaving town next week but i thought i talked to him last night i go oh are you leaving town tomorrow i thought yesterday was tuesday and he was leaving thursday and it was thursday and i was like i'm very confused <laughs> i thought you were leaving like in a day but it's a week so that messes up all my groceries and food orders so i got to figure that one out because i i canceled all my food deliveries because i thought i was going to be gone but i'm not going to be gone so i guess i need to eat <laughs> yeah you probably need to eat where are you guys going or he's uh, going I'm, I'm going to Austin and he's going to go finally pick up the damn car that's it took two months to get. Y'all, let me tell you. Oh, yeah. Tesla. Apparently, this is the thing with Tesla, but uh, we like got a Tesla from another owner and the title transfer. It, we thought it would just take a couple of days. We're like, cool, this is good. We were actually in LA. It was June 26th. We went and saw the car and here we are September. He gets it on September 22nd. It won't get finished. So July, August, actually three months. 
Wow. So frustrating. So anyway, we've been renting a car for the last three months, which has not been fun. And finally we'll get a freaking car. So yeah. Well, you actually doing. went to like a bunch of dealerships because at one point you were just like, you know what? Fuck that Tesla. I'm oh. just literally going to get a car right now. That was another bullshit thing. So the car that I, I was like, okay, I'm going to pick out just the cheapest Honda I could find on the lot that I liked. Um, so I found this one. It was called an HRV, I think. And it was like 25K. I was like, cool, I'll just buy this car. But I didn't want to take all my money out of the bank. So I'm like, I'm going to finance it because I'd like to keep cash on hand. And the guy tells me, well, we only have the one in uh, one in stock that's the floor model, but you can't have it for three weeks. And I'm like, I need it like yesterday. So I, I didn't go through. And he calls me the next day. He goes, hey, guess what? It's available. I go, okay, I'm coming tomorrow. I'll be there. He sends me these financing options, says it's like zero down and however much a month. And I'm like, okay, perfect. Well, when I get there, he pulls a fast one on me. First off, he told me it was the only one in town. Then when we start asking, he goes, well, actually you might have to call around. So I'm pissed already because he lied and I wanted a different color. And I was like, I'll take whatever. Jeff was like, do you like the car? I'm like, I don't even care anymore. I just need a car. <laughs> so we test drive it. Cause I'm like, I haven't even driven this car. I've just seen it online. So I drive it. I'm like, it's fine. It's totally fine. It's just, it's a car. Then guy pulls out these financing thing. And he says, he gives me this deal for like 72 months at 15%. And I was like, dude, are you fucking kidding me? It's like a hundred thousand dollars by the end of it. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going to pay double. I'm going to pay $55,000 for this $25,000 car that in seven years will be worth $5,000. I'm like, (laughs) no. And, and I, and I was like, you know, I was going to pay this car off earlier anyway, but I'm like the principal and the fact that I just felt like he lied to me, I was pissed. I left. Then, you know what happened? I realized I left my driver's license there. So he had my driver's license for three weeks because when I test drove it, he had to hang on to it. So anyway, it was such a fiasco. I was so angry. I was like, the whole principle of this is BS. Yeah. Then I tried to buy a car from a private party. They don't do loans in the bank anymore. Apparently you have to go to credit union. It was so many things that I, I've just been like wanting to throw myself over a cliff to get a car. <laughs> the credit union is not a big deal, except they want they want your tax returns. And you oh. know, b- being... um self-employed right uh y'all might know how sometimes you how that looks but i don't have my 2021 taxes done yet i'm actually right. working on that right now yeah so 2020 was not the best year to use so i was like well forget that so anyway well i'm glad you guys are finally getting it <laughs> and not like i mean you must be spending a shitload of money renting a car each month oh my but... gosh it's so stupid it's ridiculous <laughs> but, but yeah I mean, there, there is like a car shortage right though but like yes. it's not because there's just and you were messaging me like there's just no cars no i mean every time we tried to get something they're like oh it's it's out of stock or you can't get it till like the one that i wanted when he said i could get the floor model he said i couldn't get it till october yeah. So then he said I could just get the floor model. And I'm like, fine. He goes, it has a couple hundred thousand, you know, hundred miles on it because it's been driven. I'm like, I don't care. Right. But once he pulled that shit on me with the financing, I was like, dude, that? no. I actually so. heard that from multiple people saying that like the, they're just like no fucking cars because of yeah. the, the shortage of uh, what's it called? Yeah. You and know. you know what? Leasing too is not a real thing anymore lately because like you used to get, I had a lease in 2009 for like $150 a month. It was so cheap. And they're not really doing that right now because of the shortages. So like, they're not doing really good lease deals. It's just, it's, it's crazy out there. Y'all. So if you have your car, keep your car or you could probably sell it for more than it's worth. So that's also something. Yeah. Actually, I was telling you that like Keith got his car in 2020 and um, the dealership called him and said, Hey, can we buy your car back for you for exactly what you paid for it? 
Yeah. And he was like, number one, no, because I love my car. And number two, I've already, he's probably already put like five, 6,000 into it, which is like upgrading things, you know, to be able to go off road. It's like actually worth more probably. So yeah. Yeah. It's It's funny. They're trying to buy back cars. It's weird. It's, it's wild out there. It's been a strange phenomenon. Phenomenon. Just hanging out this weekend. Yeah, I think so. Nice. Try to figure out something. Um, so we wanted to talk today about this thing called quiet quitting. And I, you know, I, (laughs) I just barely heard of it because I get these emails from Haro or I don't know if that's how you say it. Help a reporter reporter out. A-R-H-A-R-O. So basically it's reporters that are looking for, you know, looking for experts for stories. And I kept seeing this repeatedly. It said, we need an expert on quiet quitting and we need a, a boss or a manager to talk about this. And I was like, what is quiet quitting? And so I did like a quick search and it just sounded simply like <laughs> people showing up, not really doing their work. And then either they leave or they get fired. Just and I was checking like, the box. So it's this <laughs> idea that you have a corporate job, you work for someone else and you sort of just make the decision that you're not going to go above and beyond anymore. If you ever did, you're kind of just like going to phone it in. Yeah. And I was reading about it and I wanted to talk about it with Danny. Cause I was like, that just sounds like what most people do at a desk <laughs> job. Does it not? That's certainly what I've done in the past. And, yeah. you know, and it's, and it's a really complex issue because on one hand, I can completely see why someone would do this. In fact, I did this in my last year in a corporate job because I remember just feeling like if I work harder, I don't, there's no incentive to work harder. You know, there's no like reason, or if I do work hard, I'm given more work to do. Like yeah. that was the thing is like, if I'm good at my job, they're like, as at one point I was doing the job, like three people because I was just so efficient. And most people, and I don't know who invented the eight hour work week. Was it, I think it was like Henry Ford or something. Henry wasn't Ford. It? I, I think I saw something. It on was that. like the 40 hour work week was like mm-hmm. his deal. And he just made it up and people just adapted it. And I don't know about you, but like sitting at a desk for eight hours, you're going to fill the time. What's that called? The Pareto principle. You're yeah. going to literally fill the time. Yeah. So I remember in in college over the summers, I would get a job at a temp agency. The temp agency would put me like in little just admin jobs. I was doing like data entry. I was doing like random shit. And I remember I probably played solitaire like six and a half hours <laughs> of the eight hours. I was literally there. There was no Dude. incentive to do anything more. And so I can understand why, especially when you have a job that you don't feel the impact of the end user, right? You're just literally, you're pushing papers around, you're doing data entry, you're doing admin, like you don't really feel the impact of your work. I'm like, yeah. And so then the question becomes, obviously is quote unquote unfair maybe to the business owner Mm -hmm. or the bosses or the managers, but I can understand why people do it. And should they just get out of these fucking jobs? Or how oh can God. you, or what's the solution? <laughs> well, just fucking phone it in and find other things in your life that you, first that of all, you. imagine if they had all the games they have now, cause I maybe would have been less bored. Cause I got, <laughs> you know, you get bored of solitaire. I remember my last job for the city. I was so, I had Googled everything that came to my brain. Like Google is kind of newer. So I would just think of, think of something like, oh, why are, uh, fire ants. Why do they burn? And I'll like Google that shit. And then I'd have another just random fleeting thought like, Oh, what's the difference between a moth and a butterfly? And I Google like any fucking thing you could think of. I would Google it. Cause I was so bored out of my mind at this job. And I started to, my shift started at 1230. I would leave my house at 1230, like subconsciously thinking maybe if I show up late every day, I'll get fired. But I, 
the job I worked for was for the government and it's nearly impossible to get fired. Like there's so many rules you have to have a, you know, written uh, reprimand and you have to go through this process of like, you know, we've talked to you and we're going to make things better. So I pretty much knew I couldn't get fired. So I just was doing shit to, I guess, quote, I mean, quietly been quit. To a DMV <laughs> office, everyone there is quietly quit right. years ago. So, <laughs> since the day they started. So I'm laughing because right before we jumped on, we both kind of Googled and looked at these articles and this one on the Atlantic, it said, um, it said in the past month, I received countless PR pitches, which like I said, on the, the HARL helper reporter out, I saw these, um, uh, pitches and it said they're referring to the same Gallup Gallup study alleging that quiet quitting quitters make up more than half of the U S workforce. Quiet quitters are allegedly an epidemic that is allegedly changing the workplace and allegedly making bosses very mad. And then he goes on to say, I repeatedly use the word allegedly because I want to convey that statistically speaking, it's not actually a thing, or at least it's not a new thing. And I was laughing because I was like, yeah, is this new? Because it's I feel also like just known as like is, having a job. This is, this is what just like <laughs> having a job. And like, this here's is what deal. I was doing. And I don't know that everyone needs to feel fulfilled by their work. Like, I mean, I think the mm. biggest reason this is probably happening is because number one, people are not feeling fulfilled by their work in some way, shape or form. Maybe they're not realizing the impact that they're having and it maybe they just don't feel like if they work harder, they get any, there's no incentive to work harder. So they're just mm -hmm. like gonna. And so, so for some people, it is great. You just go to work, you work your hours, you leave, you check out, you fucking never think about work again until Monday. That's how my mom was. My mom was a, she, you know, started off as a programmer when she was like 25. They paid for her to get her MBA. She had me as a single mom. So it took her 11 years to get her MBA. And she worked her way up the corp corporate ladder to the point where she was like an executive VP by the time she left. And she was at the same company for 35 years. I never once ever heard her talk about work at home. I like didn't even know. Do you like know when, um, remember, like, do you have you ever seen a teacher? Like when you were a kid, do you ever see a teacher like out? Like yes. not in the classroom. I don't yeah. know why I thought teachers like went to their closet when they weren't at work. I'm like, <laughs> now they're done teaching, they go in the closet. All right. Like my mom, that was, I didn't like ever think about her work because she never talked about it. I was yeah. like, oh yeah, she just leaves for eight hours and comes home. And for her, it was fine. She, you know, I don't think she was like super passionate about it, but I think she had so many things outside of her work, like me and her marriage and her friends and her hobbies and her book club and everything else she was doing that she didn't need her work to have meaning. She was like, I make a good living. I have, you know, I don't have any responsibility out of these hours. I don't go home and have to think about it. I don't take work home with me. There's nothing I have to do. I just show up and then I just start again at 9 a.m. on Monday. And I think for a lot of people, that's fine. It's like almost like you just persevere. You show up at the desk, you persevere for eight hours. You have some friends there, maybe some water cooler moments, and then that's it. And I think for a lot of people, that is fine. I know for me, it wasn't especially, and I'd be interested in your take, I was starting JillFit at the same time that I was still in that job. So at JillFit, and if you have your own business and you're a solopreneur or entrepreneur or something, there is a direct connection between how hard you work and how much money you make, mm -hmm. which is totally gone if you're working for someone else. Now, so when I got a taste of that, like, oh shit, when I do more work or I put more into more effort into this thing, it produces more revenue. Holy shit. Why wouldn't I do that? And then of course there's a ton of incentive and, and, and you're also in touch with the end user. You can hear their thank yous and how their lives have changed and whatever, obviously in the fitness space. So I think not everyone needs to feel like a sense of 
purpose and fulfillment from their work. But I think a lot of people probably do, but maybe just don't know where to turn. So I don't think this is that different. I think that we like to to blame Gen Z for being lazy. Like, I think this is just another version of that, like another outfit where like, look, they, no one wants to work. These people are lazy. But at the end of the day, I think every generation has fucking done this. Yeah, I think we've all done it. And I think you're so right about there's no incentive for a lot of people to do more. Like to your point, I remember even doing this in school. If I was done with my assignments early, my my teachers would give me more assignments. If you're done with early totally. work, you get more work. So you're like, right. wait a second, I would to get stuff done so I could just sit back and chill. But if you're being paid, let's say a salary, you're being paid for the eight hours you're there, then you just kind of, I remember my job would take me about an hour to do every day. So I would dick around all day. And then the last hour I would do all my work before I left and then, you know, lock up the building and get out of there. And so, but if I did my, cause I learned if I did my work early, I'd have more to do. And I didn't want to do more because I was getting paid the same and nobody wants to get paid for work that they're not doing. So one, the structure of things is probably decent, decent, is decentivizing a word. It's not incentivizing for uh, employees to do more or to excel or to do anything extra. So maybe the the problem isn't in the workers themselves. It's in the management, the way we're paid the and company culture, how, yeah. the management, the flexibility or lack of flexibility in the job mm -hmm. for sure. I mean, I think we are seeing that, especially post pandemic, like we're seeing, especially like after lockdown, I think we're seeing a lot of people now being able to do more remote work, employers being, you know, available for that. I think there is more flexibility, but I, I try and think back to like my first couple of years because I was in a job for eight years and it was only in the last year that I sort of checked out mentally because I was just so excited about Jill Fit and what we were creating there. And I felt like the sky was the limit and there are tons of possibility, but I was really motivated in the beginning. I remember mm -hmm. just loving it. And I think it was because I had a sense of a little bit of autonomy. Like I owned this. I didn't have a, my, my boss was not micromanager at all. And I felt a sense of autonomy and a sense of ownership. Like, wow, this is almost like a blank canvas. I'm coming in. I can create all these programs, these, you know, lunch and learns. I can teach. I can get people certified. I can create these new initiatives. And then I think I just got tired. Then yeah. I think it was eight years. I think I was working two people's jobs. And I think I got a taste of entrepreneurship. And I think for me, that was way more incentivizing. And so I think in order to, and I be, and now that I have employees, for me, I'm definitely interested in this. And every single second with my team, I'm like, are you okay? Do you need anything? Are you engaged? Do you like your work? Like I'm constantly yeah. checking in with them to make sure they do have something. And I think it's different working for a startup versus working for like a corporation, right? A startup, you have a lot more autonomy. Everyone's kind of excited. There's a good like company culture. There's a lot of like enthusiasm, a lot of places to grow. I think once you're in an established corporation of hundreds of employees, mm -hmm. you just fucking feel like one of like of hundreds and you just feel like why nothing I do even fucking matters here. Mm -hmm. so I'm just, I'm just clocking in and clocking out. That's, I think, one of the biggest issues. And it's, you know, because it's something that's happened to me recently with a, a client and a, a partner of mine where it, the dynamic really shifted and mm. I suddenly started to feel like an employee. And I know personally, I have been putting in less effort because I've just felt like it doesn't matter what I say, Matt, do what I say or do matters. 
I'll just do what you want me to do. I'll just be a yes man and and do the thing. And mm. it's super demotivating. And as someone who maybe is hiring, like let's say we're bringing on team members, yep. you have to really think it's it's not easy because there are certain things that are just, they're tasks that need to be done. They're boring. Right. You know, it's like, okay, we need to just post on social media and I need you to get this stuff up or I need you to just edit a podcast or edit a blog or edit an email. So some things maybe are inherently they're not, they're not uh, bringing in income. They're not bringing in revenue. They're not necessarily, you're not seeing an end user, like uh, something that comes out of it. It's tricky to figure out how to pay someone to incentivize them to want to work and to feel like they're contributing. Like one of the things I think about is hourly work versus salary. So the nice thing about salary is, you know, you're getting a certain amount you're getting paid, but you have to, normally you still have to hit these certain hours. Now, if you're getting paid hourly, I remember thinking this, if I get paid hourly and I'm really fast at my job, I actually make less by being quick and efficient. So that's not really fair. So whenever I hire, you know, VAs and a lot of it is hourly work, it's tricky because, you know, there's this, like, there's almost an incentive to take longer and to waste more time to get a task done because they get paid more the longer that it takes them or the more hours they work. One of the things that we've done with um, our editor for the podcast, she gets paid per episode. And I was thinking this at the beginning, how it could be incentivized, but I was like, you know, it might take you at the beginning while you're learning how to do this a long time, but then as you get more efficient, you'll be making more per hour because you'll be quicker at it. So there are certain ways I think you can incentivize people to be efficient and do a good job, but it's, it's a really tricky thing, especially for tasks, like small tasks that need to be mm -hmm. done, VA take, checking emails, those kind of things. So I don't know. It's I think it requires people to get creative and something like you're saying and doing is just talking to your people and asking them, how are they doing? What else? You know, and valuing their ideas. I think that's a big piece when someone feels like their ideas are valued or they are contributing to the bigger picture, then it's a lot easier to stay engaged. But also to your point, when you're in a big corporation and you're just one of many and your boss, and this is, I think, one of the things that can be the most frustrating is someone who is above you who's not engaged. If you come in, when I came into the city, I was super pumped. I was young. I was naive. I had all these big ideas and my boss, I mean, God bless her. She'd been there for like 30 years. She was right. bored as fuck. Right. She knew, she knew the rules. She knew the system. She knew how it went. She would tell me she was going to the quote bank to make a deposit. She'd be gone for three hours to come back with her hair, hair done and, <laughs> and, and Annie Ann's pretzel from the mall. So I'm like, oh, this is what's happening here. And it took me a minute to understand the culture. She was probably frustrated that I wanted to do so many things. Sure, she's, she's like, probably like, look, relax, all right? Like, <laughs> she's like, you're too down. eager. Yeah, you're <laughs> yeah. fucking too eager. We're not doing all that work. <laughs> so I think it's it's frustrating all the way around. I think government's a whole other story because they, they are kind of, I don't know, it would need a whole overhaul because I feel like it's just so inefficient and it's built that way. But when you are an entrepreneur or you own a business and people who are working for you are phoning it in, it can be very frustrating. It feels like they're stealing money from the company because you're like, I'm hiring you to do something and you're just being lazy. You're phoning it in. But I don't know, you know, I would be curious to see what the percentage of people in those types of businesses are. Let's just say they work for mm -hmm. a small business. They work for an uh, orthodontist office or a chiropractor's office or something where it's a small team of like under 15 I'm, I'm curious about how many people in those kind of jobs where you're like really closer to the boss and closer close, to the customer. Yeah. Closer to the boss and the customer. If you're 
doing more of this quote, quiet quitting than someone in like a big, huge corporation of 500 mm -hmm. people. And you're just one of many. Mm -hmm. Welcome to Prime Video's Culture Rated Collection. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis, The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby. Or Add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details you have one unheard message hi i was calling current the influencer marketing platform but i think i just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast well anyways i was calling current because i was told they could help get my brand set up on tiktok shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Yeah, I know. That's such a good point. I wonder about that too. You know, you mentioned earlier, like, would giving pe people more money incentivize them to work harder? I, I honestly don't fucking think it mm -hmm. would. It may be nice like to be mm -hmm. like, okay, at least I feel like I'm getting compensated for the work that I'm doing. But I don't, I think at that point, then that's the, the next threshold, right? Is yeah. like, you know, so the things that I've noticed in my own experience and like now being a manager, having employees and also being an employee is that actually wasn't the thing that like more money would obviously be nice, but that wasn't the incentive. The incentive was what you said. Do I have a seat at the table? Yeah. Um, are my thoughts, you know, considered not like just swiped away as like, we're not doing that. Like, are you just, are you constantly feeling like you're not being heard? And then also what's the company culture? You know, we kind of joke at, <laughs> so we had our first Jill Fit team retreat in June and there's five executive team members, including me. And so we went to, for two days to San Diego and as we were getting ready, I was talking to Dan and who's on the team. And I was kind of saying like, you know, it'll be fun. We'll like work, you know, hard up until like 2 PM, then start like day drinking. And I was like, I'm just kidding. No, like we, we have to have like, we have to figure out what the company culture is. Dan goes, I think that's the company culture. <laughs> and I was like, uh, you're probably right now. We didn't start drinking at two, but we certainly, you know, and had a couple of drinks at night and went out and had fun or whatever. But I think there are other ways that someone can actually like their work. I think yeah. it's like, again, they, they drive a sense of purpose. They have a sense of autonomy. One of the things that we try to do, well, two things we do at JillFit is we make sure that everyone feels like they have a project that's theirs. That's like literally that they own. So for example, Dan, 
has the podcast, which is called Take Care Radio, or something like Jill Fitz publishing that, where it's, you know, there's something under the umbrella of Jill Fitz, of course, helps us as well, but gives him like a creative outlet. Sarah is the head of coaching. She has 100% autonomy over the Mod 365 coaching. She manages the coaches. She does the office hours for them. She comes up with our CEU curriculums. Like she writes articles about Moderation 365 for different, like other, you know, news organizations. So she has something that, you know, she can use a full skill set in and actually get creative. Like Courtney does all of our promotional stuff for like our other podcast. She does it for, um, for best life as well. But like, I was like, Hey, this isn't my area of expertise. What do you need to be creative? And like, we Mm -hmm. got her the software she needed. We got her the hard drive that she needs to store all the videos. Like we'll just get everything she needs so she can play around with some different graphics and, and really like learn a skill. And that's going to help her, you know, wherever she decides to go from here. So, you know, I think there needs to be ways that feel that people feel engaged in their work that way, that they have something that they're creating. I think there's a lot of people just want to be an intrapreneur, right? Not an entrepreneur, but an intrapreneur where they have creative freedom within an organization. They're not taking the risk that the entrepreneur is, but they do have a sense of uh, creative freedom within their job. The other thing that we do is bonuses. So we don't do bonuses like corporations do it, which is like at the end of the year, you get your usual, you know, 5% or whatever it is. We do it based on how a launch performs. So going into our major launches of the year, basically I give them a scale that everyone who has a say over how the launch does, they have the ability to like, if, the, if we do, if we hit this many units, they get this, if we hit this many units, so we usually have a safe goal, a moderate goal and a reach goal. And every single launch we go in, I let everyone know, hey, because Sarah, you know, she answers emails. Mm-hmm. I was like, there are people writing into you saying, I don't know if this is for me. I say, you got to take your customer service hat on and put your marketing hat on and sell the program if you feel like they're going to be a good fit. Because I'm not answering those emails. You know, Dan's in our closed Facebook group. He's having conversation with people. He has a short list of people. He does all the sales calls. So they can affect the launch. And so I want them to feel that sense of ownership and that sense of autonomy that if like, hey, if we if we get scrappy, if we get resourceful, we can go from this mm-hmm. many units to that many units, and then you can get more money. So they always get at least a little something if we hit our safe goal. And then they get more, of course, as we do. And I think that has worked fairly well instead of being like, hey, this is going to just be part of your salary now. It's almost like surprise and delight. Like, ooh, there's, you know, there's extra things that we can do. There's extra bonuses here for whoever wants to make more money. Plus the Jillfit brand has trust. It has equity. So for example, if Dan brought an idea to me to run like a post-launch downsell or a post-launch promo of some kind and handled the entire thing, I would be like, awesome. That's, you know, percentage of that's your money, you know, cause you initiated that. That was your, you were the initiator of that and you're the one who, so we have a lot of resources. The brand is great. And, but it's like it, but there's money here for people to take if they're willing to do the work. Yeah. I really love those things that you shared with your team, because I think that that would help so many people be more engaged in their job. And I think you're right. It's not about the money. I, I always laugh. I, I drove by, I was getting on the freeway and I saw, um, hiring at Dunkin' Donuts, $15 an hour. And in my brain still like $15 an hour is crazy high money. I, totally. I don't know. I think because I was getting like seven. Min- yeah. Minimum wage was like seven, six, $7 an hour when we were growing yeah. up. So I'm going, and, and I got my first job and made eight bucks an hour. I was making more than all my friends. I think they were making like six twenty five, and I thought I was so rich and cool. And then I ended up getting raised and I was making $13 an hour at like 19 years old. So I thought I was badass. Totally. So I'm looking at $15 an hour and seeing people online talk about that, um, 
what's it called? Minimum wage. <laughs> the minimum wage needs to be 15 and people won't work for less than that. And I'm in my head going, holy cow, that is so high for not California is trying to make it 22 across the board oh in California. God. Oh my God. That's insane. So to me, this is insane. Although cost of living, if I really yeah. thought about it, it's right. probably like, it's probably cost of living has really exponentially yeah. increased and wages have not yeah. comparatively. It- Probably realistically, it makes sense, but in my brain, I'm still at this old, you know, thank <laughs> I you, know, six twenty five shit. So, but but all that being said, is that the more people make, it doesn't mean they're doing any more work. It doesn't mean they're doing anything extra. So, like twenty two dollars an hour, and people are just like, I'm going to work at McDonald's for twenty two dollars an hour. Well, what's the incentive to do anything harder than that? And right. also to that whole point is. What's interesting to me too, is when you get it, like right now getting a degree, my brother just posted a job offer on his page, working for the news studio, um, doing some kind of video editing and they were starting out at $12 an hour and wanted a degree. And I was going, what's the incentive to get a degree to make $12 an hour when minimum wage at Dunkin' Donuts is $15 an hour. So there's a lot of interesting things with price and working for an amount where there's like there has to be there has to be I don't think money is the incentive but it has to be incentivizing enough otherwise you're like I could do jack shit for less than what you guys are paying me so there's like this weird middle ground where you have to make enough money to be motivated but it's at some point it's not enough like I've been at a job where I'm like I don't care what they pay me this is such there's bullshit no I don't want to do it yeah, yeah I can't be here so there's definitely been, and that's even for me doing personal training. I remember a time I was so done doing one-on-one. I'm like, you couldn't pay. Someone asked like, what would you charge? I'm like, you couldn't pay me enough. You couldn't pay me $500 an hour to train you at the gym. I don't want to meet you at 5am. I don't want to get up and do it. Like there's, it's just not worth it. There's not an amount that's worth it. So I think the price thing it's a yes. And it's like, is it the only thing? No. Is it something? Yes. But it's not always going to be more equals people are more excited about it. There's, yeah. there's a weird, like kind of middle threshold there where you have to find out what's incentivizing intangibles, yes. right? Yes. Where it's like autonomy, freedom, creative mm-hmm. power, and also mentorship, you know, like I've definitely had mentors that like also worked in the corporation that like took me under their wing and, and taught me skills. My dad talks about this quite a bit. My dad has had a million different jobs and he, um, worked for Hannaford, which is like a, it was a, it's a distribution company in New York, upstate New York. Um, and I think it's a grocery store. Maybe I think it's a grocery store, but he worked in a distribution center. And he said that it was the first time that a company had like put him through like a leadership training Mm -hmm. and he like totally changed as a result of that. He became a way better manager, people person, whatever. And he saw it and he still talks about that whole program to this day about how it really changed him as a person. So, you know, I think companies do have abilities to offer continuing ed, you know, funds for you to go and learn new things. Or maybe there's a mentor that takes you under their wing and teaches you and like you can work your way sort of up the the ladder. So you guys know I work with James Wedmore. And he's an internet marketing guy, but at his team, he doesn't give promotions. He says, if you want a promotion, then you have to create a new job for yourself. So like you have everything you need. You can, you can read, you can go through all my courses. You know what we do in the business. What do you want to teach yourself? What do you want to master? So for example, if you're just a VA, but you want to become a copywriter, 
go learn copywriting. Mm. So he's like, if you want a promotion, you have to take it. You're not going to be gifted it. You have to go and take it by learning a new skill. So I think there's ability like that. There's like sort of, it's almost like gamifying the job, right? It's like, there's, there's things that you could build in to get someone excited to progress as a person that could also then help the company with these different skills. So I think there's a lot there. I mean, I think it's easy to romanticize this whole thing and be like, we could change the entire job industry. But at the end of the day, I think people need a sense of autonomy and they need to be motivated. And I don't think that <laughs> this is just a Gen Z wanting to be lazy scenario. I think this is how can we incentivize people? And then also certain people are just more go-getters, you know, yeah. and some people are not, and not everyone needs to be an entrepreneur. Not everyone needs to like, you know, incentivize and have work be meaningful to them. Some people, family is the most meaningful thing. They go to work to make the money, to provide for the family, to have the weekends off, to have the two weeks of vacation. And that's perfectly fine. And they're not miserable. Like I would be absolutely miserable, but they're, they're, that's fine for them. And so I think it is, it's a really interesting, like very nuanced conversation, but I was like, this is just, this sounds like normal shit. (laughs) Well, there's something interesting too, um, kind of what you said about creating incentives and doing other things like you did your retreat. So I was just hired last week. I flew out to Richmond, Virginia and to speak for a salon, the salon owner, she had, 13 hairstylists. And once a month, she tries to do some continuing education for them. And so she brought me in to speak and it was, it was a great opportunity. And then I went to dinner with her afterwards and her boyfriend, who's a dentist. And she said that right before I came, one of her stylists texted her and was like, what is this about? Do we have to be there? And so she said she was kind of pissed off that she got this attitude because she's like, I'm doing all these extra things for them. And if I didn't do it, they would complain. And if I do do it, they complain like they didn't want to be there extra on a Friday night. And so her boyfriend, who's the dentist, said he said he was flying his whole team, his front desk staff, everybody out to Vegas this weekend, and they were going to do some kind of leadership training that he paid for. He's like 60 grand out of my own pocket to fly my whole team. And he said, one of the girls texted me and said, Hey, are you paying for bags? It's like $30 to check my bag on the air airplane. And he was so pissed. He's like, I'm paying for your airfare, your hotel, your travel, and you're nitpicking about $30 bag. Mm. So it's, Also on the other side, being the leader, being the one who's trying to create company culture, it can be frustrating when you feel like you're doing all these things and you're still somehow unappreciative or they're not, they're not taking, they're not seeing it for what it is. And Mm -hmm. it's frustrating because you can do all those things and feel like I need to do this. And then on the other hand, people are doing those kind of things, like asking for do they have to be there? Do they have to show up? And you're going, oh my God, if you worked for someone else, they wouldn't do this for you. So I think also mm-hmm. if we're the the people working, like to try to just be more appreciative to our employers and like see the effort that they're putting in, because there are a lot of employers that don't put in the effort that aren't going to put on a retreat that aren't going to send you to leadership things. But I think ultimately sometimes it comes to just company culture fit. So if someone doesn't appreciate that, I think they'll eventually weed themselves out till you're with people that like love going on those things together, love going on those retreats, want to be part of it all. And we just have to meet people where they're at, but there's just, there's multiple sides to this whole thing. And it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's interesting trying to be do all the right things. And you still feel like you're failing sometimes. I guess it's like, parent. <laughs> I think that's how parents feel, right? They're like, I feel like I'm doing it right. And then I still fucking up my kids. So I don't know if you can ever win. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, okay, if you, let's say you are an employer, your manager, and you sort of notice that this person is definitely not, I mean, it's like, you know, that might be tough. Cause did you just fire the person? 
because chances are you're going to bring in someone else. If you don't change, if the company doesn't change, if the management doesn't change, the leadership doesn't change, chances are the next person you bring in will be the same. Yeah. You know, yes, maybe like you said, there's a comp- there's a culture fit or, you know, whatever specific, but for the most part, I do think that we have to hold people to a performance, like a performance standard too. I mean, there are performance reviews and stuff like that, but at the end of the day, one of the things that we're starting to implement at JillFit is everyone on the team is responsible for a metric or a couple of metrics. So for example, we'll ask Courtney, cool, what are the downloads? You know, are the downloads growing? Are, are, is our Instagram account growing? Now, I don't care if it grows by like fucking two people. I just want to know we're moving in the right direction. And if we're not moving or we're not growing at the speed that we think we should, then what do we do about that? So what's the metric that you're, so we're looking at, you know, someone doing ads, let's try and get the ads for cheaper. Let's get more qualified leads for someone who's doing customer service. What's the customer service turnaround time? I think when you have metrics Mm -hmm. and it's a number, it's easier to evaluate performance because it's just clinical versus being like, I don't think that you're putting your all into it, right? It's a fucking subjective. So I think having a number or something that people are measuring to basically say, hey, it's okay if we're not growing any second, but I also want to know that if we're not growing that, you ha- that you're that you doing something about it. Like show mm-hmm. me what then, what you're doing to try to get our numbers up if they're not growing, right? So then I think there's a conversation that can be had. It's not just about like you have a bad attitude or, you know, you seem like you've checked out of here or like whatever these more like subjective sort of things. Um, and we have not fully like brought that in quite yet. I mean, we are we're tr- sort of trying to, but we haven't gotten it like totally, uh, honed in quite yet, but that is something we're working towards too. Yeah. I really like that tip. Trying to find subjective measurable goals. Some things are less measurable than others, but you know, if you can find something like that, it's very helpful. So anyway, y'all, this is just, I, I find it funny. I think the quiet quitting thing is an interesting way to put things that when I literally have thought this is just what people do. So <laughs> would love I'm your not surprised that more than 50% <laughs> yeah. of people do this. And you know, too, it's funny that they call it quiet quitting because I feel like it's, it's, they're not even necessarily trying to quit because you could just quit, you know, you just, right. you just show up half ass or just do them and do the bare do minimum. minimum do the bare minimum yep do the minimum do your thing yep. get gtfo anyway <laughs> and also get speaking of doing doing the minimum if y'all could do the minimum for us and go leave a review and leave a five-star rating we would really really appreciate it i would be your bestest best friend if you did this for me and um we love having you listen and share this episode with someone who you might think would enjoy it Thank you guys. Appreciate your time and attention. We'll see you on the next episode. Bye. Bye. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details.